0: Hello and welcome in to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. Man, am I pumped about today's episode and today's show. I have my good friend, Paul Johnson, on the show today. What's up, brother? How you doing, man?
1: Caleb, man, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to share today.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to come on, man. I know you're busy these days, you know. I'm getting a heavy dose of what you've been doing for the last couple of (laughs) years with a church plant, man. That'll keep you busy, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And keep you humble.
0: Yes. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. You know, uh, Paul Johnson is a a good friend of mine to all of our listeners today. You got to go check him out. You follow him on social media, follow his church. Uh, follow his teaching he is actually an author now here's his book here's the plug for your book brother fight the good fight of faith man this devotional book the 40 it's a 40-day devotional book um, by uh pastor paul johnson my friend and uh it is incredible man you know i i i when i when i get the chance and get up and read it um and 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 dive into the book man it's been a blessing to my life i know i would messaged you um about that and it being a blessing to my life, it's good to start off my day opening that book. I've got all our guys at BTB, actually, they open this book and read it every single morning before wow. they start their day, man. And it has been a blessing uh, to them. It has enriched uh, their walk and their life. And they're fighting the good fight of faith, man. So, you know, uh, uh, Paul is an author and a pastor, uh, pastors, um, our father's house there in Indianapolis, uh, uh, Indiana. And um, that's where you're from, right? Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Paul, so they can get to know you better.
1: Yeah, Caleb. So I grew up in Indianapolis on the west side. It's called Avon, and that's where our father's house is, the church plant we have going. And uh, spent most of my life, childhood, uh, grew up here, and then I moved down to Florida for Bible college. I met my beautiful wife, Taylor, down there and um, got married, and we felt called of the Lord to come back to Indianapolis for me. Uh, she's from Tennessee, so it was all new to her right. But uh, in uh, 2016, so we've been here uh, five years this month, and we planted the church three years ago, so we've been hard at work uh, laboring to see God move here in the Midwest.
0: That's awesome. So, That's incredible, man. Yeah, I remember uh, the first time I met you, so I am here at your parent-in-law's place, we call the castle. Amen, right?
1: Amen. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, Shout out Jeff. to
1: JJ and Maymay.
0: Yes, yes. Jeff and Tiffany Jackson, they're on my board with BTB and Miriam House, as you know, but to our listeners, um, they're part of our board members and board of directors, and Paul is their son-in-law, and so that's how I actually met Paul, walked into the office one day, and I knew a little bit about his brother, this guy, Jeremiah Johnson. I call um, uh, him, your brother, by the way, he's your brother, you're not his brother, but <laughs> but he's a powerful man of God and loves yeah. the Lord and has an incredible ministry. And, um, you know, as you said, you and Taylor had met there at Bible college, right? Correct, yes. And so she's from Tennessee, she, uh, his wife Taylor is, is, uh, uh from my hometown here in Manchester a little bit. I know she's lived a couple of different places, I believe, but mm-hmm. basically grew up here, and so, um, it was, uh, you know, I remember the first time I met you, man, I just uh, seen um, in a matter of moments the authenticity of your life, and it has um, always blessed me, and uh, I just uh, value our friendship, man, and I appreciate uh, you and everything that you do for the kingdom of God and who you are, man, so um, I, I, I don't know where I was going. I just say I love you, man, and I, I'm grateful for you, brother, and I uh, appreciate you. Um, man, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about the church? You know, there at our Father's House, Indy, because there, our Father's House was planted in Lakeland. The is, is that are, are you considered a campus of them, or just our Father's no. House, Indy? Or
1: yeah, so our Father's House is its own thing. Um, Heart of the Father is Thank in God. Lakeland. That's what we gotcha. were part of with Jeremiah. But our Father's House is here in Indianapolis. So in 2018, uh, we planted. I say in 2019, the Lord watered what we planted in 2020. God gave us the increase.
0: Amen. Uh, we've
1: seen a dramatic increase uh, spiritually, numerically, financially, Amen. physically, in every way. God has really blessed uh, the church in 2020, um, which I, I I know that's a different story for some people, but I really feel like God shook things up in 2020, and Quite honestly, 2020, I think I'll look back and it'll probably be one of the best years of my life. I know you feel the same way, um, said that recently on one of your podcasts. But um, yeah, so now we're in 2021 and i uh, been challenging the church. What are we going to do with the increase uh, that the Lord is bringing? Because now uh, there's a deeper responsibility that I feel in laying the foundation of Christ uh, into the church and into the lives of those who come, that we must be Christ centered in everything that we say and that we do. You know, there are so many uh, programs and ideas, and honestly, I think some of them are even games. And gimmicks on how to grow a church. And we just categorically reject all of that thinking and nonsense and say the church is going to be built upon Jesus Christ. It's by him, it's for him, it's through him. The church actually belongs to Jesus. It's not my church. I know what people mean when they say my congregation or whatever. It's not my congregation. It belongs to Jesus because I'm just a, a lamb in his flock as well. He's the good shepherd. So, Um, Really, really challenging people with the truth of the gospel is where we're at and seeing lives be changed and transformed. Um, It has been the most humbling endeavor uh, of my life. And I feel so blessed and so grateful just to be a small part of what the Lord is doing here.
0: Yeah, man, that's that's incredible. I want to. Uh, touch briefly on what you said about 2020 being the year of increase. You know, there were so many prophetic words that went out. 2020 is going to be the year of perfect vision, and when 2020 really hit, people stepped back and said, "Whoa, maybe, maybe we, maybe we missed this one, right?" And but it really, it has been, it has been a year of perfect vision in the sense of things were exposed, and people yes. began to see things in the right light. Um, you know, you've talked a little bit about uh, the church being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's the only way to build a church, by the way, because when you build it on anything less, this is what will happen when times like 2020 hits, 80% of your congregation leaves and they will not return. Yeah. You build it on the programs, on the seeker friendly, on all of those things. You know, I've, I've told so many people and I've talked to so many mentors and leaders in my life. And, you know, everybody, I, you know, I believe this to be true too. you know, stop begging and asking for those folks who have left the church during the middle of this crisis to come back. Cause they ain't coming back. John puts it this way. They went out from us cause they were never of us. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to uh, let some of these things go. And uh, even some of these people go and uh, keep moving forward with the gospel message and the kingdom of God. And we can build on nothing less than the foundation of Jesus Christ himself and and uh, be uh, spirit-filled churches that love the Lord, that are doing the works of the ministry. And I know that your church is one of those churches. And in, um, uh, Indianapolis is, is lucky uh, to have you guys there, man. So that kind of will bring us into... Um, my next topic for you, man, is, is, uh, is this, you know, with recovery in the church, um, mm-hmm. you know, we talk a lot about that on the show, as you know, and talk about recovery and I do a lot of preaching and teaching on here too. Um, but, uh, we talk a lot about, especially in interviews with pastors, we try to bring in the five ministry with prophets, evangelists, teachers and preachers and, and talk to them about, uh, you know, what that looks like. What, what does recovery, in the church look like? What does somebody coming off of drugs look like being involved in the church and how do we facilitate that while not letting um, compromise or sin creep into the camp, but at the same time, uh, you know, loving those people, encouraging those people, discipling those people, you know, what what does recovery in the church look like to you, brother?
1: Caleb, great question, man. My response to this would be that I, for me, the way I see it is I look at it through the lens of discipleship, that when Jesus gave the great commission to go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel and to make disciples, that's much different than making a convert or getting someone to pray a prayer or getting them to agree with a theological statement, but to actually make a disciple, you know, the root word of, of, disciple is to be a learner so you're going to become a student you're going to admit that you don't know anything and that you need god from the depths of your soul and that without him you can do nothing and you are nothing so starting on that runway of humility with people and i think that's where really presenting the gospel rightly to people and with clarity because you know the church has been guilty of entertaining goats when we're called the shepherd sheep and i think confronting people with the real message of the cross is uh, widely missing that we are to take up our cross jesus said if anyone wishes to follow me you must take up your cross and deny yourself. So on a daily basis, right? Paul's saying, I die daily. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those challenges to people that this is not a health and wealth prosperity thing. What if all of your reward for following Jesus is in the life to come? And it actually is a difficult thing for you now where you learn endurance and perseverance. I mean, I think we have it incredibly easy here in the West and in America, especially where Mm -hmm. our fight and our challenge is actually you're dealing with apathy, with boredom, with compromise. There's really, we don't really experience persecution. I mean, honestly, you have people that are freaking out over this and that in America in Mm -hmm. 2020, 2021. And I'm like, man, we haven't seen anything yet. And personally, I hope that uh, I just say, bring it on. Because I think it's going to reveal who is really following Christ and who's not. So from a discipleship context and dealing with people that are recovering, I think starting with, have you really laid out the gospel for them? Have they seen the end of themselves and realizing that um, this isn't just like God wants to take all your fun away. No, there is eternal, abundant life that is available to you that the deepest longing and satisfaction that you've been seeking is found in Christ, and in him alone, that in him is the purpose and the meaning and the reason for living, that you need an active, ongoing relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ and what he's done for you, that that's going to unlock so many things inside of you that really your heart has been weighed down like a bird trapped in a cage with all the sin and the addiction and the struggles. And if you could begin to see the Lord and allow his glory and his majesty to open the eyes of your heart, you would be like a bird out of that cage where your heart would be, you would realize, wow, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I have been searching for. And I've really found uh, the answer to my heart's cry. So I think confronting people uh, with the true message of the gospel, uh, one encouragement uh, that I received from a brother that I discipled some years ago was he told me after he started going through a rough patch, as, as he said, Paul, if you would have um, if you would have hid from me in the beginning how difficult this was really going to be, he said, I would have quit by now, but because you prepared me mm-hmm. and you charged me and you've called me higher from day one, I know that the Lord is with me and I know that I can do this. And God has been uh, writing a beautiful story in that brother's life and he's mm-hmm. continuing to fight the good fight, to live uh, free of addiction. And God is really delivering him in some powerful ways. So to me, the answer is discipleship. That looks like accountability. Yeah. That looks like a, a real deep accountability that you don't buck up against. Mm. Accountability works best when you make yourself accountable, when you say, I need help. And then you're not gonna go back and start getting your feelings hurt and start whining and complaining. when yeah, people- man. You tough questions because you got to lay down that thing in you that rebellious attitude that wants to resist people asking you the hard questions because really they're just keeping you in the light and guarding you and keeping you accountable. You know, I write in my book that there's no position in ministry or place or title that you can graduate to where you are graduating from accountability. The more responsibility you get in the kingdom, the more accountability you need, because as you know, when you start stewarding souls and finances and all these things, the weight and the pressure of that stuff can crack your foundation Mm -hmm. if you don't have the right principles in place in your life so uh, heavy on accountability on teaching people the gospel uh, helping them develop a life in the word of god and in prayer for themselves that you cannot just have a uh, relationship with god through other people yeah. you know, and teaching is great. We need that. People are called to equip the body for sure. But you've got to get your own. You've got to learn to connect with God for yourself, and then in turn be transformed as you see Jesus for who He really is.
0: Yeah, man, that is so good, man. That's some good stuff, brother. I mean, you know, the first thing that you talked about, and and the whole uh, uh, point of what you were were saying was that, that thing about discipleship. You know, the world looks at BTB, the court system, BTB, Miriam House, our our recovery program. They look at it as, okay, it's faith-based recovery center. It's a recovery center. But if you want to get down to the nuts and bolts of what we do, what is it that we really do? We are a discipleship program. that's what changes that's why the success rate so high that's why people's lives are being changed is because it is discipleship and the church has to get that too because not everybody can come to a recovery center or be spend a year in a program like mine they've got family but people can still overcome addictions in the church by the way a lot of people that are in the church are addicted to all kinds of things. But what would break the bondages of addiction? For one, it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit with a combination of the discipleship. But it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to do those things and for a regeneration to come forth. But discipleship, discipline, the root word of discipleship, man, I mean, it takes discipline to overcome those things. What's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? I was talking to one of our students about this yesterday. You know, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. That's where addictions run rampant, is with people who have no self-control. And so if you don't have self-control, you don't have, you're you not having or displaying one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we need that. But it takes discipleship to walk with somebody Put your loving arms around them. Do life with them. Uh, The accountability thing that you talked about, too. I want to touch on this because the Lord was speaking to me um, with what you were saying as well. You know, we use that word recovery uh, a lot when it comes to this community of people. That's just what we understand it as is, is, is it's recovery, right? For right. People in recovery, and really, what are we saying when we say that? What is recovery, right? Uh, the show of, of the name of the show of my podcast, Recovery to Recovered. But you want to know what it really is? It is recovery means healing. You are simply going through a healing process, and who is the great physician? Who is the ultimate healer? It is Jesus. And um, he's working through Holy Spirit here in the earth. And that's what that is. It's a healing process. You talk about somebody who's in recovery. um, They're going through a healing process. And when, you know, uh, I probably get a lot of flax from our, the name, recovery to recovered. Well, what do you mean, brother? What do you think? That you arrive and that you're never, you're not going to grow anymore or what? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that Jesus heals, but that he heals wholly. And that uh, you eventually can come to a place in your walk and in your life where you are healed of that issue. The problem with so many people is that they hold on to the recovery thing and that becomes their identity instead of it being in him. And so many people are holding on to that whole recovery and identity thing in the recovery community. I've heard people say crazy things like relapse is a part of recovery. Um, That's an excuse For you to go out and make a mistake, not saying that it can't be a part of the recovery process or a part of the story. But when you say things like that, you're setting people up for failures and excuses. And, um, you know, when we stand before Jesus one day at the uh, at the judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment, because you want to be at the judgment seat of Christ. right? And when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, you will stand before a holy God. Mm -hmm. you will realize that every excuse that would even begin to hit your lips won't even make it out of your mouth. And, uh, you know, we got to, as the people of God, have this revelation in the here and in the now, so that when the day that we stand before Jesus, uh, we'll hear that good uh, statement, well done, my good and faithful servant, uh, keyword servant, right? Jesus isn't going to say, well done, good and faithful pastor, prophet evangelist teacher and you know an apostle he's going to say well done good and faithful servant and i think that's another thing that we in the body of christ can do uh, in the discipleship process with the recovery community is to serve them serve them in discipleship because that's what you're doing when you're discipling somebody you're serving them you are bringing a service to them and so, yeah, man, that was that was some good stuff. You even got me rolling there, man. A, <laughs> what's going on here?
1: We're getting we're getting excited, man. And I, I would add to that was powerful what you shared about the the judgment seat of Jesus and um, standing before Him in judgment and uh, not having any excuses that are valid to the Lord. You know, Derek Prince uh, says deliverance is for the desperate. Mm. And I believe there's such a powerful truth there that people being desperate, people seeing their desperate need for God, you know, Jesus saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, what does the Lord mean? Because there are, there's the world is full of people doing a whole lot of stuff without Jesus. He's saying, apart from me, you can do nothing of eternal value that matters that you will end up being rewarded for. All that stuff is going to burn up. And the Mm -hmm. final hour, when He comes to weigh and judge and test the motives of our hearts for why we did what we did, and every word that we said, we give an account to Him. But that desperation is a gift from god that we should cry out for and maintain through our walk you know if you're not desperate for god and you're listening to this and been saved for a couple of years you're in danger you need back to blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied do you long to know the Lord more is your heart when you get up out of bed when you go to sleep when you're driving in your car are you longing to experience the presence of God and to connect with the Lord really you get delivered from drugs and alcohol and all these other things and you get transplanted out of darkness and into light where you become completely fixated and transformed by the glory of jesus where that's all you long for and that's all you hunger for but caleb my i carry a burden in my heart man for people that were wiling out for the devil they were the the worst of the worst they were clubbing drinking smoking sleeping with everything that moved and they were going ham for the devil And then they get saved and they just become a nice person, I guess, with no passion, with no zeal. They just sit there, they just show up and it's like the lights are on and nobody's home. And I'm like, dear God, who sold you this bill of religious goods that said this is what following Jesus looks like? No, we need more passion in the church we need people to be consumed with zeal for the house of god that we would live a righteous and holy life and share the gospel with people who need it too often we feel like people are an inconvenience because we don't value them rightly so as you said, when you're discipling someone, you're serving them. I mean, I've spent thousands of my own dollars discipling people and buying books and paying for meals and setting up different things, even counseling stuff for people because it's like, this is for the kingdom. This is right, for the right as unto Jesus. This is to see people be healed and delivered. So that, that desperation piece, I think, is huge. And I think it unlocks a lot of other doors that begin to open once you get to that place of I'm done, I'm tired, but it's important that you stay there. Uh, not identifying with, oh, I'm always gonna be an addict and all that trash, but a real, I need, I need God every day. And without him, I'm in deep trouble. So staying connected to him uh, always on a daily basis is what's gonna make, make the difference for people moving for, out of addiction into freedom, but then also staying free once that freedom begins to take root in your heart.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's so good, man. The desperation part that you touched on is, is incredible. And if I'm being honest, the only people that I have ever seen truly healed and I mean delivered and set free from the bondages of addiction are those who have been desperate you come into a program like mine, you go into a 30 day rehab, you go into another faith based rehab, you go to Teen Challenge, you go to any of these places. If you're not desperate, you'll just skate through the program, think that, well, I'm here to get clean. See, there's a big difference in being clean and being set free. I I tell that to our students all the time. People get clean off of drugs all the time. There there's either dry drunks or dry drug addicts and they're clean for the day. They're not doing drugs today, but with the gospel, you are able to be born again, which enables you, which makes you a new creation in Christ Jesus. And when you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, see who the son sets free is free indeed. And so big, big difference of being uh, clean or being free. Um, you know, it's just, and when it comes to addiction, it's a sin problem. We can try to doctor it up and, and give medical names for it. And we can even call it a disease if you wanted to. And and I get some of those studies in a sense Let's say it is a disease. Guess who's the great physician? Yeah. Guess who's the ultimate healer? It's still the answer. Still found in Him. If you call it a disease, Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's incredible, man. I I appreciate your viewpoints on that. And I like to I, I like to tell people
1: that I'll let you call it a disease if you take ownership that for the reasons why you contracted it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. because because even part of that whole victim thing, I mean, nobody goes to the grocery store and catches an addiction. Like, so what do you mean by it being a disease? No, you're that there's a personal responsibility piece that meets that desperation that produces freedom in the heart of. I am where I am because of my choices and I'm ready to give up on leading my own life and put my faith in Christ and allow Christ to be Lord because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So allowing him to be lord of everything and embracing his lordship embracing accountability those things um, yes the people that I've seen uh, beat addiction and, and and truly get free and stay free there was a desperation that marked them there was an embracing of accountability they there was also a desire to make a difference in the lives of other people and to use their testimony and their story they couldn't help but speak up and speak out because the goodness of God was just ra- Radiating out of their heart in their life and they couldn't be silenced so i think it's important too that as we make disciples to encourage them to make disciples that you don't need a phd you don't need to go to bible college you have your story and your testimony is what's powerful so you sharing your story it's irrefutable because It's your story. You were there. You know the addiction, the depression, the darkness that was gripping your life, but now you know the light of Jesus. Now you are convinced. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us, 1 John says. So when you come to know and you've believed it, all of that just ignites the fire of faith that causes you to burn hot and really then you become an inferno and you start burning for the Lord and people are getting set on fire around you because the zeal has consumed you and God really pours out his spirit, not just on you, but on your family, on your friends, on your church, on your workplace, coworkers. And it, it, then, then it really gets fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man, being a Christian is fun. You know, Amen. I used it, like you said earlier, what what goods was you sold that just says you come in and sit on a pew on a Sunday? I am having more fun now than I've ever had in my entire life. You know, it's great to take trips and remember them. You know how you love that? <laughs> you know, I mean, life is good now. And I, and I, I wanted to touch on this real quick, because we kind of went there. We're talking recovery. This is wonderful, man. This is This is a recovery in the gospel and what that looks like. And this is what um, this show is a lot about. But, um, you know, so for this whole disease model, you talked about the taking the accountability. Let's say you call it a disease. You listen to your doctor who calls it a disease. And I explain it to some people like this. That way they can maybe understand it because doing drugs over a long period of time has an effect on your physical body. There's no doubt about that. Right. It does. You know, you can take somebody who's a 21-year-old healthy individual who runs five miles a day and works out, and you start letting them drink, you know, 10 Mountain Dews a day and 20 cupcakes, they'll eventually develop probably what's called diabetes, which is known as a disease. It has an effect on your body. But that happens over a period of time. That's not going to happen tomorrow if they drink 10 Mountain Dews and eat 20 cupcakes. It happens over a period of time. So what does that mean? you have consciously made a decision to pour chemicals in your body over time. And until you take responsibility for that, the healing is going to be hard to come by, you know, and it sure. takes the healing um, to get there, admitting your faults, taking responsibility. And then Jesus comes in and whoo, you know, that can be healed and through discipleship and through the gospel and through the power of the Holy spirit. Amen. Yeah, man. man, that was, that was incredible. Good stuff, man. So I want to jump into talking about your book for a little bit, man. I've got to tell you, I got to show you all one more time for those watching the video. you yeah, all have got to go get this book, uh, fight the good fight of faith, a 40 day devotional by Paul T Johnson. Uh, like I said, this book has richly blessed my life. It's blessing our ministry. Our men are getting up and reading this every morning to start their day. Um, and, uh, so, uh, Paul, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about the book and how this came to be, what the Lord spoke to you, and and how this all come about with you writing this incredible book.
1: Caleb, thanks for reading the book, man. I'm I'm so blessed that it's been a blessing to you and to uh, be the Bush Ministries and Miriam House, and that's it's really humbling to hear. So Fight the Good Fight, like you said, it's a 40-day devotional. Um, every day is uh, based on the direct commands that paul gives to his son in the faith timothy so every day starts with a scripture from either first or second timothy one of them is fight the good fight or he tells him that twice fight the good fight of faith and um the direct things that Paul says to Timothy is what I emphasize. There's a ton of wisdom in those two letters, but I tried to take the practical stuff where he is telling Timothy essentially do these things or don't do these things like avoid worldly and empty chatter or be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Do the work of an evangelist. Those things flee from the love of money, flee from sexual immorality. Uh, Those commands are so direct that I think it takes the scriptures out of uh, theory and brings them into reality and makes them practical and applicable for people. And so I just tried to expound on each of those instructions and weave in some other scriptures. It's interesting. I didn't know that I was writing a book. I was just trying to bless the church, our father's house. I felt like the Lord had specifically directed me to first and second Timothy. So I started spending so much time in those two letters that I actually got them like confused and blurred and like, where is what I mean, I just like I even had dreams from the Lord of uh, layouts for the book and different instructions that God just really breathed upon what I was doing. And I started to realize, man, there's there's more to this than just sending people an email every week. Um, and so it just developed, kind of took on a life of its own as, as the Holy Spirit breathed on it and became mm-hmm. uh, a book. Uh, I do want to say that Uh, Writing a book is interesting because um, it almost feels wrong that only my name is on the cover because really, if you take my wife, for example, Taylor, she poured her heart and her soul into the book with me and read that thing like five times, edited that, gave me raw feedback. So it's kind of like a feels like a group project that, uh, you, you get the credit for. So, um, yeah. I, I want to honor the people that, that helped me write as the friends and family that took the time to, uh, encourage me and hold me accountable to writing. Um, I'm excited about, uh, working on another book, uh, about Jesus. So, I'm. Um, um. I'm uh, hard at work with that. And also with that won't preach uh, my podcast that we have going. So yeah, but really just an interesting process with the book. And I'm, I'm blessed to hear that you guys are are enjoying it.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's been incredible. I want to read something real quick off the back of your book here. And it's just simply one sentence. You know, I thought about reading this whole it's, you know, it's just two paragraphs, it would only uh, take a second to read. But I just stopped when I read this uh this uh, first sentence on the back and it says this it says if you are determined to love God and live for his glory you are in a fight. And um you know to me I, we talked about it a little bit before we jumped on um but so many believers unfortunately think that you know they just forget this sometimes that that we are we're in a fight we're in a battle we're actually in a war. And a great thing is we know who wins the war. We've read the end of the book, right? We know all of those things. And, uh, you know, so many people have took, uh, you know, the, you know, even these new worship songs and, and which they come from scripture. And I get that, you know, uh, this is how we fight our battles. God's, God's, um, uh, w- the victory is, is the Lord's and, all of those things are true and they are authentic and they are real. Um, but it does not mean that you have nothing left to do. So many people think that we're in a fight and you ain't got to fight and you don't have to war and you don't have to battle. And, you know, mo- I would say this most of the time, uh, you know, the Lord will fight your battles for you and you're to rest in him. But there are certain times that the Lord will ask you to pick up a sling and a rock. Amen. You know, yeah. there, there is times uh, where the Lord, you know, wants you to partner in the battle with him and do what he says, and of course, he gets the glory because he's the one who told you what to do, right? So, but there is still this battle, and uh, you know, I, I, for me, that just um, really blessed me. Just reading, I know I've read that before, but just really blessed me reading the back of it. You know, to know that we are in a fight. Um, we've been talking about recovery and. Uh, different things like that. And, and discipleship, it is a battle and a fight. Um, you got to fight. Sometimes you got to fight to keep your sobriety, right? You got to fight to keep your walk with the Lord on and your relationship with God and not letting distractions and different things get in the way of that, you know? And so sometimes it, it takes that, but You know, I I guess you mentioned it a little bit, but is there any more that you want to say about that, that fighting part? You know, I don't, I don't know if you have anything for that or not, but if you do share it, but man, I just, I just love that. I'm, I'm one of those dudes. I'm just, I've always felt like a warrior (laughs) my whole life. So resting in the Lord for me too, has been difficult at times, but God has taught me those things and stretched me. But you know, with my background, sometimes I like a good fight, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And, And we, and we got to be ready for those things. Paul, you got anything you want to share on that? or?
1: I, oh, yeah, man. I'm fired up listening to you. Um, Caleb, most Christians are sleepwalking. Yeah. They are going through the motions in their life and they don't even realize that they're in danger because they have been tricked into listening to the lullaby of the devil That is putting them to sleep. So God calls us to a sobriety uh, spiritually, obviously in the natural as well. But there's a spiritual sobriety and an awakened state where we realize we are playing for keeps. This is not a game. What you do in this life matters and will dictate your eternal destiny. Mm. And for those who call themselves Christians, what about heavenly rewards? What about making the most of the time for the days are evil? Um, You know, we are not going to become who God wants us to be accidentally. My experience in my Christian walk has been that it is about intentional living. I have to choose Christ every day, just like I have to choose to love my wife and my children on a daily basis. You know, before people get divorced, they stop talking. They stop relating. They just fall into the lull of work and come and going you know things that aren't bad and then eventually there's a breakdown well it's the same thing in the relationship with the father where there's there are little breakdowns and subtle compromise that creeps in to people's lives and they just they just stop fighting they stop warring you know I, i tell people i don't worry about people when they take a few on the chin because they're still in the ring, but I I get concerned when people want to take the gloves off and step out completely because that's not an option. You know, the enemy doesn't mess with people that are sleeping because he's got you right where he wants you, but when you begin to see your God-given destiny and the call that is upon every believer with a unique grace given to us by God, see, this stuff excites me because we have a purpose and a plan that we should be accomplishing, and so many people, can. Caleb, they are tricked into thinking that not knowing what God has called them to is humility. And that's not humility. That's confusion. God wants you to be clear in your heart and your mind. This is what he's asked me to do. These are the gifts and the talents and the grace that he's given me. And by these things, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to make a huge splash, a difference in the lives of my friends and my family, because that's why I'm here on earth. Can you imagine if Jesus just went through the motions in his life? If he never talked, I feel inspired by the Lord to challenge people who are silent or who are the type who would just kind of sit in the shadows that you need to speak up you need to find your voice you need to stop allowing the enemy to shut you down and keep you quiet that you have the word of God in your life and you need to be sharing and encouraging and be a blessing to your family and to your church because it's too easy to sit on the sidelines and criticize those who are in the game and who are warring and who are fighting ask them how i can help how can i serve and join the fight get your gloves on get in the game and get ready because God has a wonderful plan for us, but yes, so does the God of this world who is the devil. And Second Corinthians 4, 4 says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they would not see the glory of Christ and the knowledge of God. So we've got to understand that God, if he's awakened you in your heart and your mind, there's something, there's work for us to do. Paul said we labor and strive because we fixed our hope on the living God. And even that peace that... Heard about rest, brother. It says that we're to labor, to strive, to enter his rest. Ah. So- even an active active, uh, part in resting in the Lord. You know, I tell people that rest is biblical, but relaxation is not. Some of those things are, we just think, bro, you got Christians that think, man, what I really need is a vacation so I can just spend 10 days in a foreign country or at a resort, not read my Bible, not pray, and somehow the swimming pool is gonna help you. I'm like, man, my wife and I, we take time away so that we can be with the Lord, so that we can pray, so that we can read our Bible, so that we can enjoy the holy spirit together and be refreshed by the presence of god because we've learned you're not going to be satisfied by earthly things that god is going to equip you for the fight by intentional living so i want to tell someone listening you are not accidentally going to become free you are not accidentally going to get delivered you are going to have to fight for this If you are struggling, if you are addicted right now, it's time to get in the fight and realize that you've been living for lesser things. You've been living for inferior pleasures and ask God to deliver you from those things so that you can begin to fulfill your God-given purpose and give Jesus all the credit and all the glory because it's the only way that you're going to be satisfied in this life.
0: Ah, you preaching now, my man. I love it. I love it, man. God is so good. God is so good, man. And everything that you said, you know, powerful, man, impactful. And so, so true. uh, So true. We've got to uh, wake up, you know, uh, you know, we get, you know, I've I've been saying this for a while and we have revival nights at our church. We have revival services um, at church and, you know, I believe revival is for the lost because they're the ones that are dead. The church is what needs awakening. They're asleep. Half the church is asleep and they need awakening. And so, you know, man, bless you for that, man. Thank you, brother. You got me fired up. I almost threw my phone or. there's something across the room but then miss tiffany would have killed me if i put a hole in the drywall so we didn't do that (laughs) but yeah man so man paul my last question for our uh our times together today brother man if you and you might have already just preached it but if you had one last message man one one thing to give the world one message one one speaking engagement one last time to preach what is it that God is speaking to you, and what would that be?
1: Caleb, it would be the worthiness of Jesus Christ, that he and he alone is worthy of all honor and glory and dominion and praise, that he is the meaning, the reason, the purpose for living, that Jesus is Uh, our everything he's our living hope he's the foundation and cornerstone of the church he's the rock upon which we build our lives that everything uh, is by him for him through him about him that you cannot make your life too much about christ you cannot give god too much glory actually he says in isaiah 42 8 i will not share my glory with another so we have to be (laughs) Careful that even as we begin to become fruitful and we allow the Lord to to do his works through us, we have to allow the successes, those, those powerful moments to tell us something about him and not ourselves. Because if the work of God begins to tell us something about ourselves, we become proud, we become conceited and it leads to death. But if the work that the Lord does through us tells us something about him, then we're humbled and we have our hearts right and posture that this is about jesus and without him i would be lost and i would yes. still be in sin uh, so i once was dead to sin and uh i once was dead to god and alive to sin but now i'm alive to god and dead to sin because i've been crucified with christ and by the grace of jesus christ i am no longer a slave to sin i don't have to do those things the power of The bondage sins, death grip on my heart where I just simply could not do it any other way. That has been broken because of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross when he said it is finished it was enough and all of that translates into freedom in my life that Jesus would be glorified because Christ is worthy it's why I have breath in my lungs and God has graciously given me this day to give him glory to make a difference and I believe when you realize that the enemy is out trying to destroy the testimony of God's goodness and his faithfulness to me Caleb that's what gets me motivated man when talking about fighting the the good fight earlier it's like we have to realize that when if if the enemy is a murderer a thief and a liar jesus calls him the father of lies Hmm. he's he doesn't just want to like make you a little miserable he wants to take your heart out of you he wants to knock the fight out of you and he wants to laugh at you and make a mockery out of you that to me that gets me fired up and this is for real this isn't like the enemy wants to win on a two-point conversion at the end of the game congratulations to alabama uh, for you winning the national championship right okay <laughs> man, he wants to, he wants to beat you a hundred to nothing and, and, you know, uh, make your whole family cry. He wants to destroy us, but God wants to build us up in faith and cause us to live bold and righteous lives that, that really make an impact. So the worthiness of Jesus is always what I go back to. He is the, our everything, and it's all by him, for him, through him, Christ is worthy. We need to get recentered upon the rock of ages in the yes. church. We need to get back to preaching the word of God. It's not popular. Who cares? God didn't ask us to preach his word and become popular. I mean, I think it was Zinzendorf who said, share the gospel, die and be forgotten. Yes. Hell, that won't preach. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we forgotten. We're alive, <laughs> you know, all flesh, it fades like grass. We're just a mist yeah. or a vapor passing through. So the more credit and honor and glory that we can give to the Lord, uh, the more reward we will receive and, and the more blessed those around
0: us will be. Man, man, that's so it's good. Time to so get good.
1: sold out again, bro. It's time to lay <laughs> it all down, put it all at the That's feet.
0: right. Come on, man. Come on, man. So Dude, you're right, man. Satan's playing for keeps. Satan is playing for keeps. So if he's our enemy, we got to be playing for keeps. And Mm -hmm. I love what you said, man, that he is worthy. That's it. He's worthy of it all. He paid it all. Everything, like you said, for him, by him and through him. He is enough. Man, incredible, bro. Incredible, man. Love you so much, brother. Man, how can our uh, guests and listeners uh, get in touch with you? How can they follow you? How can they keep up with what you're, is going on with your ministry and your church and, and what it is that God's doing? Uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast as well.
1: Yeah, the podcast is called That Won't Preach. It's available on Apple, Spotify, Google. I'm sure a lot of the same platforms that you're on here with Recovery to Recovered. But you can connect with me directly at paultjohnson.org. You you can subscribe on my website to receive uh, updates about what we have going on, um, and order the book there as well. Fight the Good Fight of Faith is available on there. Caleb showing you the visual (laughs) one more time for those of you who will watch this but yeah you can visit my website paul t johnson.org and uh we also have our father's house if you're in the indiana area uh indianapolis area or even the indiana area or the midwest because if the church is alive it's worth the drive
0: hey amen (laughs)
1: looking for uh, somewhere where the word of god is preached and where uh, jesus is exalted and where we're not going to entertain you but we're going to glorify jesus please come join us uh, and check us out. We'd love to to meet you and, and to rub shoulders with you and to, to labor for the kingdom of God together.
0: Amen, brother. Amen. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you to all of our listeners on the Recovery to Recovered podcast. Please, you know, if somebody you know out there is dealing with addiction, please give me a shout, you can reach out to me at be the bush ministries at gmail.com or go to be the bush or miriamhouse.com if it is a lady that is looking for help. And uh, we just want to see the kingdom expanded and see folks coming out of sin and into marvelous light, out of darkness and into marvelous light. It's the gospel, it's transformation. And that's what it will always be about. And of course, about the King of Kings, the King of Glory. And uh, we just thank you guys so much for tuning in uh, today. Please don't miss next week's episode as well. And we can't wait to see you or have you listen in then. We'll talk to you next time.